Uh, should all the acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should all the acquaintance be forgot and days of good to see you pod? All right, this is Harrison and... And this is Meg. I'm not sure what that was, but That's old I liked song, it. the New Year song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like, I know the tune, but I didn't really guess. I guess I didn't realize it was a New Year's song. <laughs> I think it's a New Year's kind of song. It's, it's, it's originally sung by the New Year's baby, so it's a New Year's song. Okay. All right. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy. Sort of. New almost. Year. Yeah. Pre New Year. It's pre New Year for sure. Yeah. But we're rounding out the year with our final episode of 2020 with Ricky Drummond. With wonderful Ricky Drummond, who, who Meg on stage called uh, a human golden retriever. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's true. true. And I stand by it. He's the nicest. He's the nicest boy ever. And he's I, I was so glad that he came on the show and talked to us. He's been so supportive of the podcast since we first started and since we were talking about starting it. And so it was really special to get to have him on. So let's get into it. Woke up this morning, didn't know what to do. So I looked around, then I saw you. Yeah, it's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. We're going to talk about some stuff and some other stuff too. Yeah, it's good to see you. At this point. What's the freaking point in complaining anymore? How are things, man? Things are good. Hi, Meg. Hi. How's it going? How are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you doing? Oh, gosh, I'm pretty good. I can't complain. Look at you both with your microphones. I feel so underprepared. It's like, I'm just... No, we're just tryhards. Yeah, yeah, you you have all you need. You're doing the right thing. (laughs) Great. Dude, are you going like, uh, what are you doing for the holiday? It is holiday week. It is holiday week. Uh, Emily and I are going to her mom's um on christmas eve and christmas day uh e- eating she's she's now showing me in our tum tums the mouth smiles happy time That's <laughs> telling me what we're gonna do uh yeah we're just going to our mom's it'll be pretty pretty chill my parents are gonna swing by on the christmas morning and drop off some some food some twice baked potatoes which i'm very excited about i love twice baked potatoes that is always included in the holiday roster of food so at my good. house what what cheeses are introduced into the twice baked potato for you? That's the real question. Now that I actually don't know. Now that oh. I have not done the forensics on the twice baked potatoes to be able to tell you what specific cheese, but I will do some recon and hopefully in the post okay. of the episode that Meg and I do, Talk I'll about- be able to give some <laughs> clarification on what kind of cheeses are going in the twice baked potato. Yeah, for my for my father it is gouda. Gouda Ooh. is the, the best. Uh as well as just like croutons and like anything to make it give it some texture, you know, make right. it make it pop. <laughs> Meg, have you ever had twice baked potatoes? Oh, I definitely have. Um, but I, I don't know that they're like a holiday thing for us. They're just kind of sometimes we have them. Oh. But I love having them. I love any form <laughs> of potato pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I used to order two baked potatoes as my two side items growing up. <laughs> or like baked potatoes and fries or wait, wait, baked wait. potato and mashed potatoes. What kind of monster goes double potato, no fries? <laughs> 
What kind of? I would double fries it truly because well, I'm a heat. I'm like truly trash. But two big well, potatoes. There's two, there's two things. Number one, I would double potato it when it was at Chicken Out that used to be in Bradley, where Zoe's is now. Because okay. they didn't have fries, and so I was like, the potato option was a potato. And my issue with double fries is. As a little fat kid, I was like, I'm going to be gypped fries because they're not going to give me double the fries. They're going to th- throw a few more on there because they're like, this kid doesn't need a plate of fries right now. But as an adult, That's, I could just buy fries. That is really good thinking, that actually, really because I thinking. have I have had the same logic at, at some point. So I'm going to verify that that's good thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I do my best. My When I was a kid, I definitely thought the height of like, Freedom was going to McDonald's and just ordering as much fries as would fit in the bag. Me too, uh, man. Like, I have a weird a McDonald's idea. fixation. <laughs> I have a weird association in my brain with like being able to get as much McDonald's as you want and being incredibly wealthy. And that's like so fucked up. And I think part <laughs> of it is because of Spy Kids. Like in Spy Kids, they oh, have that damn. awesome machine that like turns shit into McDonald's. And like McDonald's uh-huh, is the uh-huh. best food you can have when you're a kid. You're like, can oh, we yeah. please go to McDonald's? So I always associate it with like you know, when you get to that pinnacle, baby, you're going to put a, I've been, I've joked forever that I want to put a McDonald's in the basement of, I would like to become extravagantly wealthy enough to have a franchised <laughs> McDonald's in the basement of my estate. Oh my God. That'd be amazing. <laughs> that'd be amazing. And at McDonald's, if you're listening, please send me some fries. <laughs> <laughs> send all of us some fries. Yeah. Send everybody some fries. Come on. Yeah. I mean, McDonald's corporate the, the loves the show. It. Confirmed. Confirmed. <laughs> you gotta get. Listen, get those sponsorship deals while they're good. You know, it's true. It's true. Sorry. Go ahead. Speaking of delicious fries, it's time to talk about our sponsor, McDonald's. Live Moss. <laughs> Live Moss. <laughs> Do you have? Or is your family like close by, Ricky? Yeah, yeah. They're um, my parents are both in Manassas, where I grew up. I they. They like moved into that house five days after I was born, which I don't know how they did that. Like having a child and moving simultaneously with two older brothers who were like two and five. I don't, I don't get it. Um, Yeah. So they live in Manassas. My middle brother, the next one above me lives in Springfield where my grandparents used to live. Uh, We've owned that house since it was built in like 59 or 60. Uh, My brother lives with his soon to be uh, wife in like Fairfax ish area. Uh, and my aunt also lives in Fairlington. So we're all, we're all pretty central. And that's like the main like gaggle of our family. Did your parents grow up around here? Are you like, are you like a forever Virginia kind of, kind of house? Uh, my dad mo- like mostly grew up here. I think he was in Delaware for a spell too. Um, but by the time he hit high school, he went to Woodbridge high school. Um, and he's so old that he went to Mason before it was Mason. Um, when it was like a, it oh, actually it's just George. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when it was just, it was just George, George University. University. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it used to be part of UVA, I think. It was like a satellite campus before it actually became his own thing. Uh so he went there. My mom went to we have a lot of family in Minnesota, so she went to U of M up there where it's freezing cold. Um but she grew up in Springfield. Well, she partially grew up in California but came to Springfield in like I think she was like five, maybe. She was pretty young. So pretty much my reason, I've only ever lived in Virginia. 
Um, no offense to Maryland, but all offenses to Maryland. I don't plan to live there. It's all right. And uh, we, this is a deeply anti-Virginia podcast. This is a pro-Maryland <laughs> podcast. And so, you know, we'll just edit that out and post. <laughs> well, just, but here's the thing. You got you to gotta love through the differences. You know, even though I hate the fact that you live in Maryland, I love you. So, right, you know, exactly. it's like... Well, we all suck at driving. Like the DMV as a collective is the suck at driving tri-state uh, area. I'm going to just say Americans in general suck at driving. I think the only people who are good at driving are like certain British people and a lot of Germans. Yeah, my dad's British. He's pretty bad at it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, did, did, he know to, did he know to drive on the right side of the road when he came over here? Did right. that take him a bit? Uh, I think he got that. The one thing that he's truly the master of, and I would put him against any, maybe anybody in the country, is driving circles because you know, like the the loop to loops and roundabouts, like that's all mm-hmm. that's all British road rays are made up that way. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, that's well, the one he thing also hand him. did he hate Dupont Circle where they had a traffic circle but also a stoplight, which is like the worst combination of traffic things you could come up with. Dude, and and you're leaving out the fact that there's an inner circle to that. There's like four Dupont oh, Circle is I like three different rings that you like. And that is, you have to pick the but, right one. Which ring <laughs> of hell cer- do you want to join? Like to to get to your there destination. A ring that you go on the inside, but you can only then exit. You can't stay on the inside too, which makes even less sense. Yeah, and one of them, one of the rings, I believe, is exclusively to go to Mass Ave. Like you can't get anywhere else but one of the sides of Massachusetts from that ring. <laughs> And for people listening, look at a map of DuPont Circle for folks who are not (laughs) aware. Just give it a little road map look and look at where the lanes are drawn. Google Maps. uh, You can just see it yourself in person with a little satellite view. Exactly. (laughs) It's tragic. (laughs) So, okay. So, like, growing up as a kid in Virginia, three boys in your household, what does that look like? Like, Uh, is it it chaos? Is it it the best? Is it unbalanced? I'll start with my mom's point of view, which is a, um, and it's a, a kitchen playset that is gathering dust and cobwebs in the corner. Cause all she wanted was a girl and never got one. So from her perspective, that's what it looks like. Um, for me, I'm like the youngest one. And so my parents have kind of, they haven't stopped caring. They certainly care about me, but they've stopped like worrying about what's going to happen. Cause the other two were fine. Um, so I was definitely a bit spoiled and definitely like lucky to be like, all right, as long as you're like not coming home, like clearly like drunk and impregnating women, like you're fine. Um, and I pretty much avoided that, which was good. Good job. That's my good knowledge. You, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was a bit chaotic. There was one year that my oldest brother wanted to join my middle brother and I playing tag and ripped out my brother's two front teeth because he like reached over his head to like grab him. Uh, they were baby teeth, but they weren't loose yet. Uh, so all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth was hysterical that year. Oh, looking back. my gosh. Um, Wait, what's the age <laughs> difference? Like That's like... like that. So we're the, I'm two and a half from the middle brother and five and a half from the oldest brother. So we're all three grades apart. So like going, we went to Bishop Byerson high school and the oldest my DJ was like there himself, but he had some friends from the school that came from before when he was a senior, Cooper was a freshman. When Cooper was a senior, I was a freshman, which was kind of nice to kind of get a little bit of a handoff. And like, you kind of knew a little bit of what's happening and you had someone there who had your back slash had to have your back because <laughs> they were your family. Um, so it was, it was a good 
distance where we didn't share friend groups. We, but like, we weren't like super different. Well, we are, Harrison and I are both the oldest. So I'm always, and, and Ricky, I think you and I have talked about this before. Like mm-hmm. I am so fascinated by the like sibling, like, I don't know, just the, the dynamic, yeah. the dynamic. Yes. Well, yeah. I didn't want to say hierarchy because that implies that like maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe but there's, there's a rule like of a- the, the land and houses, like every family yes. like has a hierarchy, like the, and that just appears and emerges, you know, like everybody's going to like interact yeah. with each other the way that they ultimately end up. Well, like yes. what's, I don't know what it's like. What's it like to be the oldest? Like, do you feel like, are you like aware that you're trailblazing when you're doing it or like, is it just kind of um, par for the course? Yes. I think, I think you are aware because well, <laughs> everybody has, and you see your younger yeah. sibling getting to do shit that you never got to do, or that like was a fight <laughs> for you to be able to do. You're like, you don't understand the hurdles I fucking <laughs> mm-hmm. jumped through. I've for suffered you, for you. Yeah. For you to be able to listen to whatever fucking music you want to listen to, you know, like, so have, like that. yeah. A sleepover on a school night, please. I did not have one of those until my <laughs> senior year of high school. Okay. Like, yeah. I mean, yes. Yes. So you are aware that so I would say, yes, I was a trailblazer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many people exactly. are saying oh this. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first adjective that comes to mind when I think of both of you. It's like trailblazer. <laughs> oh <my gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> or at least part of that word. Yeah. 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 Trail. <laughs> Trail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did they, are they still... So your brothers, did your brothers venture off far for college? Uh, no, we, speaking of being Virginia boys, the, so like, there's this thing in my family that's like, I'm the youngest and like the other two have done it differently. So I'm like, I need to find a way of doing it similarly, but differently, similarly, but differently. So like my oldest played, um, drums, did percussion. Like we were, my mom's a music teacher. So we were like, came out of the womb and she was like, play an instrument now. Um, and then my middle brother played sax and I was like, all right, I got to play something different. I wanted to do, I wanted to do drums, but my older brother had already done that. So I was like, all right, I got to do my own thing. So I played trumpet. So when it came to college, uh, my oldest brother went to tech uh, and then my next brother went to Mason. And I was like, those are both fine. But like tech was so far, but Mason was so close. I feel like I was like Goldilocksing it of like, I went to JMU, which was awesome. Like two ish hours away from Manassas which was perfect because like my parents would have to like announce when they were coming. There was no like surprise. I'm here. Not that they were doing that to my brother too much, but like that state of mind was there. Um, but it was also close enough where like, if I wanted to be super lazy and not do laundry, I could just drive home and be like, hi dad. Thanks so much. I'm going to sleep in for four days now. Uh, and have you do my laundry. And were they either of them theater people? Cause how did you end up finding that lane? There's obviously a lot of music in the house. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of music in the house, and that's kind of how it how it got there. I've had, I've had to trace the origins. I mean, my mom has been the um, orchestra conductor slash sometimes music director for the church program um, at the, the church I grew up at. Um, so she, there's always been theater around, and she's always kind of done the the pit side of things um, and enjoyed theater. So that's kind of always been there. When my oldest brother got to Ireton. He was trying to figure out what extracurricular he wanted to do. Uh, for reference, he is like 6'3", super broad-shouldered. Um, so like the hockey team was like, yo, why don't you do hockey? And he's like, do you have size 17 skates? Never mind. Um, they did not have that for him. 
so he ended up doing a stage crew because uh, he kind of had an interest in that. And he's a big tech guy. So he's even to this day, he works at Mason as a sound engineer, oh, cool. slash video engineer. Um, so he started doing tech stuff. My bro- my next brother came in, started doing tech stuff. And he did this one act of, um, God, what was that? It's that short story where the lottery, where you like have to draw a lottery to die yeah, or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and so he did that and he had like two lines in that. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. But I was like, I'll do stage crew. I'll do stage crew. So I got to stage crew and then I saw my freshman year. I saw they did uh, some Neil Simon show uh, up the down circus, maybe some one of those. They're all the same formula. Um, and I was like, I think I could do this. And so we were doing pajama game uh, that spring because it's fall place spring musical. It's kind of the stock thing for for high schools. And I totally lied to my parents saying that we did a New York trip every year. And I was like, oh, I'm on the planning committee which was like not a thing. I'm sure they could have seen through that. <laughs> and then we went to New York and they're like, so you're still staying after school, huh? And I, I don't know if they knew at this point, but I was like, I'm in the musical. And they were like super jazzed about that. Um, and to the point I'd never sang publicly sort of like any sort of whole grade Christmas choir sort of a thing. So I did that and then got bit by that bug, did Godsville the next year, played John the Baptist not Judas because it was a school, so you're obviously splitting it. Um, our our Judas was actually dope. He was like a world class Irish stepper, so all for the best. He did this like crazy Irish step thing. Um, wow. Super good. His name is Colin Barkell. He's still acting out there. He was oh, actually wow. recently the Abominable Snowman in that Coors Light commercial where they're like going crazy. Oh, uh, that's him. Good for him. Oh my yeah, god, good for uh, him. Get that Coors yeah. check. If you're if you're listening, Colin, thanks for being a good friend in high school. I'm happy that you're doing well. Hey, Colin, thank you. But that's <laughs> Colin, our other sponsor for today's yeah, show. Colin, this show is sponsored by Colin. Wherever you are, bud, thank you. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I – that's the, the, the shorthand of how I got into it. The next steps were like I did a, um, a uh, master class at Signature with Mark Kudish when he was here for Sycamore Trees. Uh, and that like opened my eyes to being like, oh, I could, I could do this past like a hobby. And then I ended up going to JMU and then staying a Virginia Nova suburby boy, coming back, doing a little dogfight as my second professional show. First one was the good old Toby's dinner theater. Shout out. Unfortunately Shout out not a sponsor, still working on that. Still listen, Mark, <laughs> I know you're listening. Call me, DM me, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah so that was that's kind of how i and then i just started doing this thing and in college i started directing and that's how i got it it was the same as acting i was like oh i i think i could do that like seeing people do it and seeing like the things that went right and the things that didn't go right and like like oh, i'll give it a try and i uh don't think i'm awful at it so why not keep doing it i'm gonna like hypothesize here Great. Do you I think that that, that 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 like, oh yeah, I see somebody doing that and I could, I could probably do that. Does that come from like being a younger sibling from like looking at your older brothers, try things and maybe mm-hmm. not get away with it completely or like, you know, or, or just mm-hmm. move on to something, whatever, you know, watch them attempt something. And then you say, actually I can do that, but like a little bit different and or a little bit better. I, th- I certainly think that's a lot of where it comes from. Uh, I think if there's anything I've learned this year is that it also comes from being like a middle-class straight white dude and feeling like the world is my oyster as well. Um, mm. That like, 
why not go for it? I think there's a, a, a level of uh, just like I haven't been told no in the same way that a lot of people have been told no, which isn't fair, but it, it is what it is. And so like recognizing that um, I think it is something that's like, yeah, I just like have this impulse of like, if I'm going to I let them say no, right. Don't, don't say no to myself. Um, have and you I think always I'm fortunate been that way? Uh, I always been that way. I, I think I, I have always kind of been that way, but what's made it more prevalent is that I, have learned to kind of be braver with it and like care less if people say no recently of like put myself out there. And like, if they say no, like I've applied to jobs in this quarantine where I'm like, there is no way, like I applied for adventure theaters, uh, artistic director. And I was like, there's first off, they shouldn't select me, but like there might be knowledge gained by going through this process. Cause maybe one day I want to be an artistic director. Well, that's something I really do admire about you, man, is that you are somebody who creates and minds opportunities and is not, I have a lot of fear of people just being like, you're out your damn league, kid. Walk away. But <laughs> Big time. Always. I, I'm constantly. terrified of that all the time. Yeah. I mean, I constantly, you know, the imposter syndrome of it. But I do appreciate mm-hmm. and love that you see it as like it's going to, regardless of whether or not I can mine something from this and learn something from it. So there is no loss. You know, I, I yeah. appreciate that about you a lot. Thank you. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I'm very... I, I, I'm very logic minded, which is hilarious. Cause like Emily, my fiance, who's wonderful is like very, she's also, she also, we both have logic and emotion, but I am driven by logic. She is more driven by wonderful emotion and like with stuff like that. I go, let's like game this out. Like literally what's the worst case scenario. And like, unless you're going to be like super mind, mind up in your mind fucking yourself and being like, they're going to like hate me forever. That's it's like me. not illogical. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, that's like what the, know, what's the chance of that? Sense. Like 0.00001%. Like the likeliest terrible situation is you never hear. And like right. are you any worse off? You've lost a few hours of your life, but like Reddit will do that to you anyway. So might as well do it in the pursuit of not memes. That's know? true. But there's also a time for memes. Yeah, I mean, Always, yeah, it sure. is actually, in fact, a time for memes these days. Well, these days, 2020 might be the year of the meme. This whole year was a fucking meme. meme. This whole year was a fucking meme. Even the biggest video game of the year ended up being a fucking meme. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't pre-order that. Me neither, dude. Whoa, oh, man. I almost did because I almost got $10 off and I was like, oh, it's only $50. And I'm like, nah, no, 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 no. Like there was a reason. There. <laughs> Do I live under a rock? I'm genuinely not sure what you're talking about. Harrison, do you want to? Yeah. So just briefly, there is this game called Cyberpunk 2077, which like has was announced in like 2010. Supposed to be this like huge deal, this big open world. You can end up with a bunch of different endings. The people, the characters are so customizable. Like you can make like a specific dick for them and stuff like that. Like (laughs) beyond the hype for this game was so beyond. It got pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. Mm -hmm. Finally settled. Ten years. Yeah, settled on an April date this year. Got pushed again. And it turned and they released it and it turns out that like Well, it got pushed twice after that. It got pushed to September and then November and then December. And yeah, they put it out and it turns out that they only engineered it for like the PS5, the Xbox One, the new Xbox and PC. Meanwhile, they released it on PS4 and the old Xbox and it like barely runs. 
The game is oh, no. so fucked up that like so if bad. you save more than eight gigabytes of save data in the game, it just doesn't work anymore. Like you have to restart. So they like put out a notice being like, yeah, please stop like making items and doing all the cool stuff in our game because like it can corrupt your file and ultimately led to it being pulled off the PlayStation store. And which um, has literally never happened for a major release yeah, ever. ever in the history of games. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my so gosh. It's, it's good meme material. It really is. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. The moral of the story, don't hype up stuff that doesn't come up yet. Like, just when it comes out, it'll come out. And take your time and do not fall victim to the people telling you, give it to us now when it's not ready. Especially with anything you're like engineering like that. <laughs> I know. Like, it's, it's just, yeah, it, it baffles my mind. It baffles <laughs> my mind how they got there. Yeah, I don't get it either. Big time, big time fail. <laughs> well, I know Harrison. I know you game. Meg, do you game at all? Oh, uh, like a like no, like not like, a lot. Like Candy yeah, Crush. Like, I like like. Oh, I do have a game on my phone that's similar to Candy Crush, but actually, Ricky, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk about Homescapes today. Our third sponsor of this episode. Oh, thank you, Homescapes. Uh, <laughs> you can download Homescapes on the App Store, Google Play. um it's it's like a similar in that it's a match three game but i couldn't play i tried playing candy crush but there's no incentive it's just like what you endlessly play this game because you like it no this homescapes (laughs) you get a little star for every uh like level that you beat and with those stars you like renovate a house and there's different like renovation options so get a little like interior design moment too uh what's what's your aesthetic right now well, on your house, there's only like, uh, so I, I mean, there's only like three options <laughs> like for each thing that you can change. So right now I'm What's building a cabin. Option? Oh, I'm, right now I'm working on the boathouse of a cabin. So it's pretty nice, you know? Um, wow. Yeah. I love that game. I've had it for three years on my phone, which is Dang. kind of crazy. I've never played a game that long, but like other games I play, like I play civilization. I play mm-hmm. like, like story, like, um, I, I like playing story games. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's also not my, the gamer my, in my house, which is also really crazy. I mean, game Kate is, games way more than Kate me. the gamer. Dude. Oh, I didn't know that. She's been her current crusade is that she really wants a gaming PC. Cause she's so fucking pissed that none of the games that she wants work on the Mac. <laughs> well, it's cause she, has, I'm sorry. She has a Mac. Like, I know. I, and I have a Mac too, but you don't buy a Mac to game. Exactly. So that's the, you we're buy working, a Mac we're to, working on. to launch a great podcast, Harrison. Exactly. That's what you do. Exactly. We're working <laughs> on that. We're going to get, yeah. But yeah, those, I would games say your path, sick. you've gotten it. You've got Emily literally texts me every time a new episode comes out, by the way, she's like, the new one's out. It's hey. Caroline this time. Aww. So I, it's always in my feed, but I know about it beforehand because she's always like freaking out. So we're big fans. Uh, well, let's talk about that because you got engaged in the quarantine. Yeah. yeah, I did. I did. Congratulations, I did. number one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was. I mean, we've been dating for just over four years by the time I actually proposed. So it, it like, and we lived together for like a year and a half. So like, it felt right. Um, I. Fun fact, I was about to buy the ring when COVID happened. So I was supposed to go to this like in-store like Takori showcase or whatever it was. I don't know. At Mervis. And then like COVID was happening and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know about this. 
So they were like, oh, well, you can see, I, I'm not going to try to do it in a South African accent, but the lady had one to pretend there's one in this. It was like, oh, you can just come on in, like, or you can just FaceTime in. And I was like, oh, okay, great. I'll, I'll FaceTime in. I like, we'd already picked out the setting because Emily knew what she wanted and I have no style. So I was like, I want you to like what you're going to wear. But I was like, I'll pick out the diamond and like some of it will be a surprise. And I, I ended up getting her like a custom engraved wooden Lord of the Rings themed ring box from Etsy. So like Aww. the box was the surprise. Um, but this woman, so kind, was trying to show me this diamond on FaceTime, on her blurry ass FaceTime. It was like, oh, you can see here. And I, I like, I was just like validating her, but I couldn't, everything was blurry. And I was like, oh, yes, that looks wonderful. Oh yeah, I, I see that. And it's like two pixels meanwhile, because she's in some back room. Yeah, like, I'm assuming um, this is a diamond. This could be just a piece of broken glass. <laughs> you could be selling me shards of a blue moon bottle for all I know. <laughs> um, so I, uh, it ended up not being shards of a blue moon bottle, luckily. Um, so I, yeah, I got it in March and I just kept it up in our second bedroom closet, uh, for a while. And then we had talked about getting engaged sometime this year and then COVID happened and then COVID kept happening. So I was like, Hey, do you still want to wait till after COVID? Like we talked about in March, because it might be a while. Um, and she was like, no, like, well, we can find some other time. I said, okay, great. So we went to my, one of my best friend's backyards um, and I, her, her first binge in quarantine was the show Outlander, uh, which features many wonderful butts in case anyone's wondering. And many um, strong men, many, many strong many, men. I do know about this. Strong men who are not afraid to cry. Yeah. Um, which is the true sign of strength when you think about it. Um, it's how much you can force those tears out as an actor. So yeah, I wrote a parody to the, rewrote the lyrics to that theme song and sang to her and. Uh, it's pretty great. And we're waiting until we get a vaccine in our arms to set a date because we've seen everyone move weddings and we're not trying to make an event that's all about not getting sick. We want the event to be, you know, about us and our love and our friends and not about uh, staying six feet away from everyone or not staying six feet away and then worrying for the next two weeks. Right. And how did you guys meet? We met at a La Cage à Faux at uh, Signature. I was the assistant director. She was Bobby's dresser for that. The uh, Helen Hayes award winning Bobby Smith for that role. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we had a couple mutual friends who at various points had said we should like all be friends and it had just never worked out. So uh, I, I'll find this picture. Not that it's going to help anyone, but the three of us right now, but the, the day before I was snapping a friend at the Helen Hayes. Cause it was like, Helen Hayes and the next day we were going into tech and we uh we were chatting and she was like oh you should meet my friend Emily she's there and then the next snap was actually you should you should date her and I was like ha 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 then the next day I get to um to Lacage tech and she's there and I'm like wow this girl's cute meanwhile she had seen me the night before at the 9 30 club at the after party uh and was like oh that that boy's cute he's probably gay which is like fair because it's gay until proven straight musical theater correct uh and so i she was like he is cute i don't and then the next day we like ended up seeing each other so there's this wonderful picture this is 10 minutes after we met for the first time oh i just shaved my head because of uh american idiot because my hair was bleach blonde for that show Ah, there's wonderful hover hand look at this hover hand there not wanting to touch her because she's too cute 
Uh, and then we started chatting after that. And then I don't personally like to shit where I eat as far as relationships go. So once I was off contract, we were supposed to hang out anyway. And I was like, Hey, do you want to date? And she was like, yes, I would. She was more, we were both more excited about it. We're, we're both excitable people. And, uh, we've been dating ever since. And now we're engaged and we'll get married at some point and have a family. It's crazy. Ah, that's exciting. It's, I'm, I, I love the proposal story. I have never heard about that story of you guys meeting and that picture is truly priceless. The I can't hand believe you have that. I, it's, yeah, that's I love the hover it. hand is me in a, in a relationship. That's my, like, <laughs> how you describe me as someone in a relationship. It's like, ah. You call me a boundary respecter. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to touch you until you consent to Amen, it. Amen, you know? baby. 2020, um, let's go. You, I mean, you said that you are like much more like the logic, much more logic minded and that Emily is much more like emotionally minded or driven in her decision making. I mean, can you talk a little bit about like how that plays into your relationship? You know, like how that how you all balance each other out or, you know, maybe where yeah. when that like becomes difficult. Um yeah, I mean, it, it's on the whole, it's it's really nice and, and balancing. Oh, she's walking down the stairs now. Look at her. Uh, and uh, it, it basically, like, we we draw our each other towards the, the center, right? I think, like, most things in life are are best when balanced. And so, like, there's there's times where I will do something that, like, makes sense, but is not necessarily the kind thing to do. And I'm thinking about what makes sense, not what is, like, will make people feel good. And she'll be like, she'll call me in on it. And she'll say like, Hey, you did this thing. And like, it wasn't, it wasn't the nicest thing. And you kind of like, we're leading with like, I know where you were coming from, but it was not like helpful to anyone. Um, and it's, it's helpful for me to, to bring myself in. And she is a very strong willed Italian woman who I love dearly. So she will keep my ego in check until the day I die, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, and, and the other way, I, I think that, you know, I, I help her, decision-making can sometimes be easier when you just take the emotion out of it and say, what's the choice that I need to make right now? Um, so being able to like, just for a moment, say, don't worry about what feels right. Don't worry about, um, how this may impact other people, but like what is going to be the best choice in this situation? Um, so I, I think we kind of in different ways, bring each other towards the center, which makes I'll say, I don't want to speak for her because again, she will never let me do that. And I never expect to, um, I think we, we kind of bring ourselves more into balance because of one another. Yeah. And there's certainly times you mentioned like it getting in the way. There's certainly times where like my logic will drive her crazy because like, it's, it's like, she's like, just, just cry. And I'm like, I can't, I literally can't cry right now. I need to just like talk this out. Right. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not much of a crier. Um, I wouldn't hate to be one. It's just not something that, that comes naturally to me. You said something that was interesting, which is just that, like, it sounds that the other person's like approach is always considered before like offering before the call in before the criticism is like given. And I, and I really like that a lot. Like, I I think that that's a really hard thing to do is Mm -hmm. to not just like call somebody in because their approach is not aligned. It's their their way of doing thing. And the result of that is not, is both not aligned with how you would have done it and, you Mm -hmm. know, and the outcome and, but being able to take that step back before, 
you, you know, before approaching somebody else about it. I think that that's really, I don't know. I, I, I just, I like that a lot. Um, and it makes me want to do that more, you know, and just, just consider other, you know, cause sometimes it's hard to, when you're so like wrapped up in what's going on in your narrative of things to just st- take a step outside of that, you know? Yeah. And, and I think what Emily and I have going so well that helps us is that our communication is really strong and we're not afraid to, to call each other out or to say like, Hey, you hurt me when, um, and I, I feel bad for any relationships that don't have a, an ability to communicate. Cause I, I've always said that if you can communicate, you can fix any problems, but if you can't communicate, it's going to be hard to fix the problems and it's going to be hard long-term to make things work. If you can't figure out how to figure it out. Like yeah. communication, I think is really key when it comes to relationships. More, I think more than anything else, because there's, there's no one's perfect. Like everyone, every relationship has its, has its sticking points. But if, if you can lead with love and communicate like that combination of like, let's talk about it. This might be hard, but it's important. Uh, like we had like a, a big talk, like right before we got engaged, that was like super important for our relationship to get back on the same page and to make sure our long-term goals, because like if you're getting married, you're going to think about that align. And they, they did, but it didn't mean that it was not like the easiest conversation. They were, you know, heartfelt moments and hard things that had to be said, said with love and, and said with compassion. But like, because we could communicate, we could have that conversation. Do you feel like practicing that, like in your relationship, um, does do you feel like it helps like transcend like do you apply that to like other places in your life and like other people in your life in the same way is it as easy to given that like maybe it's not that like consideration is not always mutual Uh, because what I'll say about you Ricky is I find you to be one of the like kindest and most considerate people I've ever met like that you just truly like see people and like greet meet them with kindness always and so I'm just wondering like because I do not always I do not I know I do not always and so I'm wondering if that practice at home like helps in other in, in other ways or if it's difficult too yeah <laughs> yeah first off thank you I, I appreciate that I, I I try to be kind I try to live up to the best um I can be and I'll go back to this in a second but like that gap between what you want and where you are I'll kind of hit back I'm just saying that out loud to to get back to it Cute. um but I I oddly kind of think that it's the opposite for me that it's easier for me to be kind to someone who I'm not really close to in that I know that Emily has my back and loves me and that I love her and that nothing will end that. Um, as far as like a simple action of not being kind one time. Um, and so I, I feel like my journey is more bringing the compassion that I bring to the stranger on the street, to the person I'm working with or whatever um, that comes more naturally. Cause I'm not worried about the long term um, effects of that. It, and that I know Emily has my back. And so there's unconsciously an ego driven, bad ego driven. I think that that allows me to do things that aren't compassionate, that are more selfish. Mm. Um, and so I find that I am 
the thing I'm working on more is bringing that into the relationships that are really close to me. Um, and I, and I think partially because I am driven by this desire to like, not necessarily have people like me, but to, to do good, um, that like outwardly it's easier, but on the more intimate relationships, it's like, don't try to change that person. Like they are beautiful and wonderful as they are. Like, remember to be caring for them and remember, um, that like you mean a lot to them and they mean a lot to you and like lead with that first. So that's kind of a roundabout way of saying, like, I feel like it's actually a little bit of the opposite um, sure. that, that it's like, I find myself failing, um, not, not in a major way, um, but failing to live up to my expectations with close personal relationships, probably more um, than one-off relationships or like casual relationships. Yeah. Can you, so I'm, I want to circle back to the, to the, what you said earlier, who you, you want to be in relation to where you are. Yeah. I, I've done a lot of reading in quarantine and it's very varied. Um, it ranges from like what listening, listening while wow, reading Miss Marvel comics to like, in like I'm reading Obama's memoir right now and more like in-depth political things to a lot of philosophy. Um, and like one of the things that I've really realized is like, there is so much to be learned. Like literally we will never learn everything. Like I was just read a Alex Trebek quote. It's like, I'm spending my whole life learning and I'm not even close to finishing. Right. Um, but what comes with that is like the more that you learn, the more, and like a lot of the stuff I read is philosophical, um, and more of that bent of like how to be a better person. Um, and so there's this, like, you learn how to be better. And then if that's three steps ahead of you, and then you go, okay, cool. I'm going to take one step towards that. And then you read something else. It's like, oh, wow. And you can also do this. So that takes two more steps. And there's this constant, like, gap that's there. And, and I think one of the things I've come to realize is, like, what I want my life to be in some ways is, like, to keep that gap there but to keep both m- metrics moving that I'm continuing to improve, but that I'm also continuing to want to be better. Um, That's the way to not become miserable, man. Like truly, yeah. I think that like, first of all, I'm a big advocate of goal setting and uh, getting things done. Uh, I'm also a big advocate of the same idea of like the, the ceiling becomes the floor Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And I Love found that, that uh, many of the moments in my life when I've found myself lost or uh, frustrated with my situation, it's because I've found the ceiling that I was trying to achieve and I had no plan of where to go next. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's- my first equity gig was really hard on me on that because I had wanted that was a goal of mine for so fucking long and I got it mm-hmm. and I didn't have a plan for what the next thing was. Like yeah. what was going to be well, the next goal to work towards. And I also th- like, if you want to expand this like idea, like it goes in many ways, like as I was describing before, it's more of like personal journey and growth. And as Harrison's describing it, which is just as apt, it's like, where do I want my career to go? Like, what do I want my life to look like in a tactical um, employment way? Like it, it can be anyway, moved into yeah. a bunch of different facilities. And it's like, if you keep all of them going, like that's the goal, like to know, what's next like and 
like, as you said, Harrison, like you get your first equity gig, you get your first like paid gig. When I worked at Toby's, I was like, I'm a professional actor. And it's like, great. Now I want to work at these other non-equity houses. Now I want to work at signature, like, and it keeps growing. And now it's like, I want to work at signature, but I also want to have like a steady employment job because eventually I want to have a family and be married and like not be hustling for the rest of my life. Um, and like it keeps changing and I, and I think getting better and appreciating, even if it was something that you never ended up reaching, but those goals that you had before that like brought you to where you are. Right. And to even translate that, you know, into the personal, like improving yourself constantly means like checking in on a personal level, like where you are. And that I like that idea of you saying like, well, career wise, like I, I am looking and I'm wanting this thing, but I also realize that in order to keep this other metric of like my well-being and my relationship and my personal life cruising to where we're going to go, I now have to adjust the ceiling on this side to 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 change up the trajectory for me. Yeah, I really love yeah. I really love that analogy of like keeping a space between where you are and where you want to be so that you're never hitting I- dead ends. I, I, I dread the day that I ever feel like I, I catch up to where I want to be, especially on a personal level and like an internal growth level. Like I, cause at that point I also feel like if I do catch up, that's my ego saying, Oh, you're so great. And not right. recognizing the flaws that literally every single human that has ever existed has, there is no perfect human being. There will never be a perfect human right. being. And anyone who says they are, are lying through their teeth and out of their ass. Like we need to keep growing. That is, I think one of the main reasons why we are here is to keep improving mm-hmm. and building upon what we've built upon and what other people before us have built upon and building more so that the people who are building after us will build higher. Yep. I have a question. Yeah. I mean, is that like, is that a, do you, do you do that in a really tactical way? Like, do you say like, this is what I'm working towards? Here are the things that I'm working towards. Like, or is it more vague than that? Because when I think, I don't know, I have a really hard time goal setting. I have a really mm-hmm. hard time, like thinking about what does the future like actually look like? What do I actually want? Like, is what I want now going to be what I want years from now and you know i i just i'll think myself into nothing and you know what i mean and um yeah and you know for better or worse like that that being said like i can imagine a ton of different possibilities and so then when i feel inspired by one i can go after it but it's not always a very like it's not so linear for me. It's real that like what, you, what both of you are describing, I admire so much I because I have linear, a Meg. I'll, I'll say that. And that like, yeah. I think it requires, okay. I think it requires, you know, this is talking like very broadly, but this requires micro assessing of those things on an almost daily basis. You know, like th- these oh, goal yeah. setting and goal adjusting, like, you know, they change and fluctuate on a day-to-day basis. And so like, I think another way to look at what I think is being described here is like, it's kind of a little bit like is talked about in AA with, um, uh, with taking self inventory at the end of the day, like taking moral inventory and then taking stock of like what you need to do to like be in a better place, Mm -hmm. you know? So I always view that as like, I can't say that I've ever set like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like with my per- with what Ricky's describing of like this trying to become a better person, like that's a day to day. I'm assessing that on a day to day basis of like, 
You know, what relationships in my life do I feel like I've not put the energy into that I should check in on today? Where are the places where I'm falling short as a friend? Where are the places, you know, that's not I I don't know if I could set that for like a year's time or like a month's time. Yeah, I sure. I think there are certain things that you can set in that way. Um, like I, I'm thinking of the, the school that I work at, St. Stephen's and Agnes, they have this smart goals that they always talk about. And it's, and I looked this up because I did not remember it offhand. So don't think I'm smart, uh, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. And I think there are certain things that are really mm-hmm. helpful to have that with, like, and even on a personal level, there's times where I go, wow, that person was really excited. And I like, in the words of Caroline Wolfson, yucked her yum and like, just like kind of ruin their spirit on something they were excited about to share with me. And so that will be something where they're specific of like the next time, the next like five friends that say, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for that. Even if I think it's the dumbest thing that's ever happened, which usually I don't, but even if I do like go, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Tell me more about it. And like validate them and, and give them something to be excited about. Cause usually when someone's reaching out to tell you something, it's because they want you to also be excited or to validate them in some way. The share. And so yeah, like, why not? Yeah. Like why not? And it's not going to change my life either way, but it might help them feel more motivated to do something. Um, sure. so there's things that like they're specific and attainable and like measurable and like you can actually achieve. And then there's other things like Harrison saying, that's just like, you check in on a day to day. My voice teacher, Crystalline Petropolis, her like half of her lessons are basically like she has a thing called performance mode, which is basically like not taking things personally and like really looking at the objective situation of what's happening um, and like just the facts of what's happening. And that has also helped me a lot of like, cool, this didn't make me feel good. Acknowledge that, but move past I didn't feel good to why didn't I feel good? And it was because I did X, Y, and Z. And if next time I do A, B, and C, it will end up in something that actually results in an outcome that I'm looking for. Um, but as Harrison said, it, it's a daily check-in with that. Like I'm constantly in my head, probably overthinking to a certain point, the actions that I go about in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have the yeah, am I a bad yeah. person dilemma probably twice a week. The true existential, well, here, okay. am I a bad person but, dilemma twice a week. I Here's something that I heard once that I hope helps you with that, because I used to have that too. If you're asking yourself that, you're probably not. Bad people don't ask if they're bad people. Only good people who want to be good ask if they're bad. That does make me feel better, actually. <laughs> good. That does make me yeah. feel better. Yeah, I run into you, that crap. And I always land at like, yes, of fucking course, like, you know, your your intention yeah. is to be good. And so it's like, you know, if you're acting with that intention, like you I don't think you can very often go too too wrong. No. I mean you can go momentarily wrong, but sure. as long as you're if you're thinking outside of the self and you're wanting to be good, you're gonna be good more often than not. It's exhausting being a human being. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Slow it down! Oh my dude. gosh! <laughs> well, they did. That's called 2020, and I don't know if that was helpful to her. You know, well, I think you actually know we've driven people truly bonkers. People have had too much time to think. Enough, enough. Nobody else should be able to think for another whole year. Period. We're taking yeah. a stop. Mindless on thinking. <laughs> enough. People are far thinking about shit too far too much. <laughs> Stop thinking about too it. Much, too much big brain energy, Harrison. Too much. Too much. Too many galaxy brains out there, you know? <laughs> 
Too many galaxy brains. Did you? Okay. okay, well, obviously, like, morality and, like, having a strong moral center, which we've, you know, talked about for a little while now, and obviously it's a very, it's a fundamentally important thing to me, I imagine, to uh, the two of you as well. Ricky, did, like, when you were younger, did you have, were you, like, did you grow up in a religious household where, like, that kind of, like, morality of, like, good good humanity seeking was around? Yeah, my my mom is, is super Catholic, so I grew up in a Catholic church. Uh, I was an altar boy. Um, I, in the words of John Mulaney, I'm okay. Okay. Um, nothing <laughs> happened to me. And if anything did, that's not to knock that. That's just as a fact of I'm okay. We're also thinking um, about John Mulaney today, everybody. We're thinking oh, about yes, we are. We powerful sure are. John Mulaney. We sure are. Wishing him the speediest recovery and the wholest recovery. Um, yeah. So I, I grew up going to church all the time. I went to Bishop Ireton, which is a Catholic school. Uh, and then I went to JMU, which is the first time that I went to a non Catholic, um, education since like pre-K and even that was Christian. Um, and it was, it was super eye-opening for me to go to JMU and like acknowledge different perspectives. And like, I took a course called God meaning and morality that was like (sighs) for me to like introduce the idea that there is a, there could be a God that is non that is unconscious that is not a an actionable being if that, that makes rather sense just it's a more connecting force or like a presence it, yeah yeah it, it's loosely and and if anyone is a philosopher and knows carl young i'm sorry if i butcher this no this is true motherfucking like, philosophy hours right now <laughs> everything that's said is canon so go fire away all right. Well, in this philosophy, Harrison is actually the great creator uh, canon now. Can't take that away. Um, sorry, you. you in this you wrote podcast, the, you wrote the rules. Uh, <laughs> no, but Carl Jung has this whole thing where he talks about like the um, a lot of Eastern philosophy. He he was a big big person to bring it over to the more Western cultures and talking about this meaning, like God as as translated into meaning, not as to a person. Um, and as, and, and I personally love that, that there is like a, um, a reason for everything we're doing. And it doesn't mean that there aren't things that are inherently bad, but it leads to something else. And it leads to us challenging our beliefs and to reinforcing them or to changing them either way is cool. As like a, a, a constantly challenged belief is a good belief in my book that like, if you don't challenge it, why do you have it? Um, and so I, I, I took a lot from, from that course and from my resulting daydreams and day thoughts. Um, and like, I don't know what happens after we die. And I, and I, I'm fascinated by what happens after we die, but I also know myself and our human limitations enough to know that we will literally never know until we die, what happens when we die? So I'm more worried about what happens right now. And there's, and a lot of different religions talk of um, heaven and talk of the communion of saints or whatever you want to call it. And I am interested in making that happen now. And like, what can we do to make heaven on earth, to make people kind and to, um, to really make that a reality and, the world that we know, not the one we don't know about. And I also think that if there is a heaven, that I should hope that me trying 
to be kind and make goodness happen on earth is enough to get there. And if not, that feels like a really unfair heaven that is not one that should exist. Right. Like you look at people who are like, if you're not this religion, you won't go to heaven. It's like that feels like a control thing, not a religion thing versus a place where it's like, great, you were kind of people and now you have died. And there is this magical place called heaven where everything is good forever. Wonderful. I would like to think that being good gets you there. And if not, it doesn't feel like a good place to be. This show is brought to you by The Good Place, season four, <laughs> our fifth sponsor. Streaming now. Um, streaming now. Uh, highly recommend it. Big sponsorship show. Yeah. This is a big money episode, everybody. Good, good job. Good job. <laughs> we, we knocked on some doors before this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Ricky, I, I completely agree with that. And I um, personally, like, have a heart. But I, as somebody that also, like, grew up in a very Catholic household, like, it is hard to like, to, I don't know, when I think about the end, like I do, it is still sort of in a heaven hell binary a lot of times for me. It's mm-hmm. really hard for me to think my way out of that. And like, I mean, I my justifications for like maybe how that happens are different, but I don't know. Being introduced to that at a really young age, like, and having that, constantly reinforced and like told that all of the goodness that I do or all of the badness that I do is like, is ultimately like the deciding factor. It's already in, been judged too. That's the other thing that's really fucked yeah. up is that everything you do has already been judged as being good or bad. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. That's I don't fun. know. It's, it's hard, right? Because like when there's that sort of, finish line introduced and the motives like for the finish line are, you know, I I, I don't know, introduced at a young age as well. And yeah, again, like I said, like just reinforced always, it's hard to reason backwards and like figure out like the core of that, which I, but it is, I think what you said, which is that like, if I'm doing good here and now, you know, if, or when that happens, Mm. like, then I will have done good and I will have done good enough. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, there is so much that, that goes into play with every decision you make and to feel like you're putting a value judgment on each decision. It's like, you don't know who I am and where I'm coming from, unless you're like an omnipotent, omnipresent God, which is fine, but like still there's, there's choices that are made that like can either be terrible, terrible choices that result in unreasonable amounts of good or a wonderful choice that results in a crazy amount of bad. And how do you judge like, well, it's also very, yeah. And it's very difficult too, I think, because like, yeah, you're saying the only person that could or that could possibly judge that is the person that they're telling you is judging it. And already but has. also he's already and judged already, it and told you what he, he thinks about it before, you know, and, but it's also coming from the mouths of and imposed by not that person, not that mm-hmm. omnipresent being it's imposed by like 
other meat sacks like me walking, <laughs> like fumbling around here. It's and true. so, no. So my actions are not just judged by this. They are judged by everybody in this community and who, I, I don't know. It's so tricky. And I, you, mm-hmm. you I, Ricky has used the term with, I, I, I was hoping you would say it cause I don't want to, I don't want to steal it from you. Can you tell, no, can you it, tell the people? It. No, you say it. Which I don't even know what you're talking about. What term? Oh, we I thought you about? were going to say recovering Catholic, which I think oh, is yeah. a wonderful phrase. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that's, and I think that part of that is like the, just having to like, yes, take the, the, the value, like everything that I do, like having some sort of point system, having some sort, I, I, I don't know. I, that's, Demerits the and gold stars. <laughs> the, that you're and, all day and, long, there's a big teacher in the sky who's giving you gold stars and demerits. And unlearning that, that uh, what's the word? Like, not diaphragm, that is a muscle. Dichotomy. Like, unpacking that dichotomy and unlearning that is like, when it's been something you were literally told since you were born. Programmed. I mean. Is hard. Yep. I mean, in the same way that, it, but. I also think important and the, in a similar way of unlearning whatever racist tendencies we have gotten as a culture, mm-hmm. it's hard, but it's also work that's worth it. It's but necessary to, freeing work, right? Because yes. you are limited when you, when you really think about it, like if you're to follow a, a church, a traditional faith, you're essentially living your life by guidelines that were set hundreds of years and with absolutely these motherfuckers were not on iPhones. They did not have access to every single person on Earth in less than 10 seconds. Like, mm-hmm. they, like there are so many other things to be accounted for. Like we live in a society where we know so much more about science now and human sexuality. And so like all of that shit is supremely outdated because it was a fucking bizarre mystery to these people who walked around in robes and sat by candle fire. <laughs> like that's why I, I actually honestly feel a lot of these things also about the con- like the way people feel about the Constitution, where it's like, holy fucking shit, like the Constitution like needs some revision, guys. Like we need to like check yeah. in with this again. And the fact that you guys are like not down to check in with this is weird. Yes. Well, and there's like the thing that that like not moving, it's getting you're falling down. It's momentum. If you don't have upward upward momentum, you're falling down. Right. And the beauty of like tradition is that it's upheld, of course, like, and that's something that like, as uh, we've talked about this on here that I like that I do love about church that like the, the tradition of it, I think that, and like about being Catholic, it was always like felt so it felt very legit to me because it's the same every time I go and, you know, or mm-hmm. like just a little bit different because of the week, whatever. And it worked before yeah. and, you know, and so there is something about that that is very reassuring to like my logic, like monkey brain that needs mm-hmm. that. But also the biggest downfall for me and where my biggest disconnect comes with religion and and also just with America is like uh, the respect for the tradition cannot be held in like higher esteem than mm-hmm. It just then evolution and then, the immediate need like, too. Yeah, then, I agree with you. Then right. like yeah, I, I don't know. And and, and you gotta you gotta challenge those beliefs. Like exactly. And if you challenge them and they stand up, awesome. That's great. Um. And like the other thing I just want to say is like there there are people for whom religion works wonderfully, and they are great people, and I think that's awesome. And that's find what works for you. There's a re- like 
I kind of think that basically all religions are the same thing packaged differently. They are. Lots Find of religious everybody. And, and, and agnostics, the same thing. You're all saying the same thing in different ways. So first off, we can just acknowledge that, but that that's a longer process yes. thing. But find what works for you. And if that is Catholicism, as long as you don't use that to impose restrictions on other people, I'm all for that. And if you have a certain set of beliefs that say, I don't want to, and we don't have to say on this too long, don't want to have an abortion, I don't believe that's right. That is yours to say, and I, I, I think that is wonderful. There's also other sides of coins that you need to acknowledge and let them be what they're going to be. Right. And, and, and just and acknowledging to, to say other that you're right is so egotistical to be like, I am right and I know that you are wrong on something that is moral and philosophically driven. On something like there are X number of votes from this county, so this person wins. That's objective <laughs> fact. You can't change that. Right. I'm sorry. But on something that is by its very nature in a gray area, let's have that conversation. Let's find the ways of letting you do what you want to do while allowing me to do what I want to do. Well, and to circle back to kind of you, you like almost beautifully put a bow without saying the exact like words again, but what you hit on earlier of like religion, the importance of religion, whether you, you know, you follow uh, a traditional religion, whether you are a spiritual person, like all of this is the search for putting meaning to what this is because the only way Mm -hmm. you will have a meaningful, like you cannot live us like a fulfilling, meaningful life. If you believe this is all for nothing and it's, and it's meaningless, Mm -hmm. you know? So like whatever way you are able to mine your meaning from this very Mm -hmm. inexplicable at times, seemingly meaningless thing like that, I think is a net positive. And I do want to just reinforce that because it was the point you, you opened this part of the conversation with, I found very poignant. And the fact that it circled back around. Yeah. Thank you. It's like, and even if you think this is all there is, there is still meaning in that. So much. Where were you before? (laughs) I, I also, I just, to go back to a point I made earlier, I feel so fortunate that I don't preoccupy my mind with thinking too much about what happens after this life, because for my, for, from my perspective, that is wasted energy. When you spend too much time thinking about something that you literally cannot control, then that's like a big, um, if anyone wants to read some philosophy, Epictetus has a, and Tendrion, I think is how you pronounce it, this whole like 55, 56 like bullet points of like what he says. And one of the first things he talks about is like, can you control it or can't you? And if you can't, let it go. And like he, he has, speci- <laughs> can you hear that? Hmm. Emily saying it's let it go let now. It go. <laughs> like l- let it, let it go and accepting that that's happened and that you, there's nothing you could have done that could have changed that. There's a level of peace that enters me personally. And I hope other people, when you learn to like, I did what I could and I will learn from this. And if my regrets are not spending enough time with this person, Right. Like when my first grandmother passed, I was like, I want to sing a song for her. And I chickened out in like the hospice room or whatever. And it was something that I was like, I wish I had done that. And then my second grandmother was passing away and my mother and I sang to her. And it was like, I learned from that experience and I grew from it. And I learned to be braver about not caring who down the hall hears me. And if I'm tired, whatever, like that's not the point the point is to comfort the person that i love right now with this gift 
of music that has been bestowed upon me from somewhere, especially my mother. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have an easy time with that? Is that like, is that easy for you to do to number one, like just accept when like things are out of your control? Um, Or do you have like a low, like what is your threshold for that is, is part one of the question. Mm -hmm. And then um, part two being, you know, if you have, if there's something that was within your control, like, mm-hmm. and, and you, and, and it doesn't, I don't know, I don't know. And you fall short. Do mm-hmm. you, how long do you live with that? Like how uh, long do yeah. you like carry that before you can say at this point, at this point, it's out of my control now. So I can't, I shouldn't worry about that anymore. Like, I guess I'm more, I'm wondering about like in the, both in the moment, letting go mm-hmm. of things you can't control and, you know, and in hindsight. Yeah. yeah. The, the first part of that, I think it depends on, and this is something that I'm actively working on now is like giving myself agency, even when I feel like I don't have it. So like I've, there's been a lot of discussion of power constructs in rooms and I feel like I'm in my element when I know that I'm the person with a, at least a set amount of power in that room. So if I'm a director in a room, if I am um, at work and they're asking me a question, like I work at Wigman's and they're like, how does this machine work? Like, great, I got agency here. But when it comes to the areas where it's not as obvious or where I may not inherently have the power, that's where I'm still struggling with feeling like I can be brave enough um, quick sidebar like one of the things i heard recently was not a safe space for performers but a brave space and i love that because Mm -hmm. that that's saying that you need to act sometimes because people can hide behind a safe space sometimes it's like a inaction of like if i if i don't act i'm staying safe right i i love just the thought of a brave space because it 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 enables people it gives them agency presents a challenge yeah um but so to go back to the question at hand though I think I feel a general sense again, what we talked about almost at the beginning that like, I feel very privileged that I feel free to do certain things. Um, But it's definitely something I'm still working on, especially when it's not an obvious power dynamic in a room. Um, And then can you repeat kind of what you're asking for the second one? Just so I get that. You know, when something, so say like in the moment, you know, whatever you fall short or there's something that like you no longer have control of, do you hold on to worry like that? Or do you like let go of things that you don't have control of anymore? Do you like have, do you hold on to feelings of like guilt or any, anything like that? Or do you just say, I don't have control over it? I like to think that I am quick to let go of stuff, but it's, something that I'm still very much and Emily's staring at me right now because it's very true very much still working on and it depends on what it is and it depends on 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 who it is and the situation um I think I am much better I it's something that basically since graduating college a little bit after I've been working on my internal self because I felt like I had all these tools but no toolbox with which to hold them like myself being the toolbox in this analogy so I think if you ask me, where do I stand in relation to where I was two years ago? A thousand times better. Where do I stand in where I want to be in six months? Nowhere near where I am. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's the constant struggle that like, I will continue to fail. And I think one of the things I am 
fortunate to have an understanding of is that I have to fail to grow sometimes. And like everyone, and like there's a JFK quote that's like, dare to fail gloriously. Like go out there and fail. And that's in in every respect that like I am human, which means that I will be wrong. And accepting that and learning from that rather than just moving past it. So I, I guess to try to answer your question, I, it takes me a bit to let it go. And I feel like I can only let it go once I've actually concretely done something to show that I've learned that lesson. That being said, there's also times where I'm driven by ego and I don't even recognize what I do and I fail and I never grow from it, at least in the short term, because also I'm human and I will sometimes take things personally, oftentimes take things personally and sometimes not realize that I have. Yeah, sure. And the ego is just there to protect you ultimately. It is. And and I love that you said when the ego is driving, because that's always that's the expression I use. I'm like, it's the ego is welcome to fucking hang out with me all mm-hmm. day. You can sit in the passenger seat. You can sit in the back, whatever. You cannot drive this car that because no. that is when the problems start to arise, because ultimately all your ego is trying to do is protect your sense of self. And protect the way mm-hmm. that you identify yourself and the way you you choose you think that you're being viewed in the world and your narrative your narrative right yeah your narrative you think you're the protagonist in every story Thank hey you. uh okay so we already found that we talked about what happens when we die uh when's the last time that you cried oh the last time i cried was it, <laughs> i cried a little last night as emily just screamed <laughs> from upstairs uh because i i i took something personally uh, about my cooking and I was like, I tried really hard. Uh, but that wasn't a full on cry. The last time that I full on cried, um, was the day that I thought I had ended up hanging out with a friend who had COVID and then brought it home and then gave it to Emily. This is all like, none of this actually happened, but this is what I thought I learned. I hung out with a friend who tested positive for COVID. So I thought about Emily and we had a bunch of important shit to do that week that like in-person stuff that we really had to get done and it threw off all of our plans for like the next two weeks. Uh, so I broke down because I was like, this was so messed up. Um, but what ended up happening was my friend went to a place and tested negative when they first called her. She took a rapid test. She was going to see her grandma, saw her grandma, hugged her grandma. Cause she was like, I'm COVID free. And then they called her as she was hanging out with grandma. I was like, oh, we messed up. You actually are positive. And she was like, what the fuck? Uh, and then called me. And then I ended up getting a test. She got a test again the next day that came back negative. So she was like, what is happening here? Whoa, did she get like a negative, false positive, negative type situation? I guess. I think what happened is they like, she was actually negative and they mixed up numbers and like called her when they were actually supposed to. I don't know what happened at the right. end. Um, it might have been that. But then I tested negative. Uh, Emily tested negative. I'm still on the phone like once a week with, week with Cigna trying to get my money back from this stupid COVID test. It has been three months. Get your stuff together, Cigna. Um, great healthcare okay. system we got out there. We got a great one. I paid a lot of money to pay more money. Hey, um, baby. We love it. So that was, that was the last time I cried was when I thought that I had given Emily COVID. And luckily, that didn't seem to be the case. But it was... Uh, less than fun i was like openly weeping on the couch yeah that's scary because <laughs> um, I, I hung out with a friend and we were in a park we were like six feet away but we were like in a park outdoors and so we were like 
feeling confident and this is not something I would recommend, but we were like six feet away. So we took off our masks and now we're, now I learned that lesson the hard way and I will not do that ever again, even though like there was two other layers in place, any layer you can have is a good layer. Learn from my mistakes, right? I'm human. I fail. Uh, so that was, uh, that was the last time I cried, but before that it had been probably a couple of years. Like I really don't like, as far as like a cry, 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 like uh-huh. tears rolling down your cheeks. I don't, I would like to cry more, but I don't. Wow. Okay. When's the last time that you remember laughing so hard since you're not a big crier, but that like you almost cried or you almost had tears coming down your face? Um, so a few days ago, uh, my mother's birthday was yesterday. Happy, Happy birthday to Ricky's mom. mom. Happy birthday. And uh, <laughs> so Emily and I were on the couch and we were just chatting and I was like, oh, don't you know when my mother's birthday is? And we were already kind of laughing a little bit before this. She said, no, I don't. Uh, little backstory, Emily's mother and I share the same birthday. And so I said, well, you should know when my mom's birthday is. I know when your mother's birthday is. And she goes, you have the same birthday! And screamed it at me. And it was the funniest shit I'd heard all day. And I, <laughs> I still like yesterday this was like four or five days ago and i texted emily yesterday so remember that one time that you yelled at me because i said you should know my mother's birthday and she all caps yelled back at me on the phone again um it was (laughs) hilarious um i do have to tell a quick story i love stories of the the possibly the funniest thing that's ever happened to me in my in a family setting and i'm going to tell the story when i was in scotland i remembered this story that i had forgotten and it literally took me about five minutes to tell this 30-second story because I was crying and laughing and I couldn't catch my breath. So what <laughs> happened was we were in this hotel in New York City. It was me and my, me and my immediate family, and my, uh, we were having a good time. And we're about to get on the elevator. And all of a sudden, my dad just starts screaming. He's like, ah! And we're like, what is happening? And he starts throwing everything out of his pockets while he's screaming and he falls to his knees on the ground. And we were like, what? I was like, is my father dying in front of me? What is he was like, ah, ah, like throwing loose chains and shit at us. We're like, what <laughs> is happening? What ended up happening is he gave himself a burn on his leg. Cause this was circa 2005, maybe had batteries for a camera, put them in his pocket. They had reversed and two pennies had completed the circuit. So they were, it was like <laughs> in his pocket, but all we saw was <laughs> just <laughs> to his knees scream and throw loose chains at us in the elevator. And it was so funny. It that was is so funny. Good. That is I, crazy. I that story that probably took what a minute to tell now took five minutes to tell because I had forgotten about it for like five years and was trying to tell my friends in Scotland and was in like just like tears like a pool of tears <laughs> laughing so hard that I, that that's a fucking nightmare to like <laughs> have a circuit complete in your pocket it was <laughs> and that's like that's something that won't happen like people don't carry batteries in their pocket anymore like right. not off, not not common enough that the chances of that happening are like minimal yeah <laughs> yeah um, what's the last version of yourself that you look at and you don't identify with anymore i would say single rookie um and i and i the benefit of 
loving this podcast and knowing some of these are coming and I know what the last question is and I've literally thought for hours <laughs> on your last question. <laughs> um, but I, I would say single rookie because there's a level of groundedness that I find being in a stable, healthy, loving relationship that we talked about all the risks that I, that I feel brave enough to take and I think having Emily in my life is the biggest reason that I can feel like I can take them knowing that when I come home, even if I fuck up gloriously, that there is someone there who will say, great, come sit here. Let's cuddle. Let's watch big mouth. Let's do something stupid. Um, that comfort and not having that, if it, it, it's for, I, I can remember it very vividly, but it feels very foreign to me. The thought of like every and as I've talked, I'm very logic-minded. Every time I met someone who I thought was cute, who I knew was single, going through that thing in my brain of like, is this something that could happen? And then like kicking myself in the butt every time I sent something, said something stupid or sent a dumb text. And like the constant neuroses that I felt that I was in, that I'm sure from the outside was not that bad, um, I think is uh, it's crazy. I would that say is- that. Um, I have a, a quick question for y'all. Uh-huh. Um, is there any way, I know we're wrapping up towards the end of this. Uh-huh. I did want to chat, especially with Meg about like casting and especially casting post um, like pandemic. Do you think we could touch on that real quick? Yeah. 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 yeah I, I just wanted, I just wanted to chat like casting and like from, from an actor's perspective from Harrison and from Meg as a casting director and director and me as an actor director, like, it's I am fascinated to see what the world looks like when we come back. And I hope that the, the person is taken more into account when it comes to casting, when we come back, that like good people get work. And if people are shitty, they shouldn't be rewarded. You know? Yeah. I've, this has been something I've been wrestling with a lot of like, uh, how does that even begin to get, taken into account and factored in you know like first of all it's going to take people speaking out number one like speaking Mm -hmm. out against like a lot of the really shady and uh you know frankly like toxic behavior that happens Mm -hmm. um, in entertainment uh and i also think that it's going to take like a real commitment from companies to step Mm -hmm. outside of their comfort zone and maybe explore and 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 this is my my biggest hope of all at the end of this like i would love to see more good people work i would actually just like to see uh different voices like i just I, i just would like to see different combinations of people or maybe like pulling people more you know shoot going for people that like might not necessarily be the typical cast for roles i'm just more interested in hoping that when we come back that like a lot of the the air around theater is kind of taken out, you know, like there's a bit of elitist air that I think um, rolls around the theater. And, and I think if anything, we've been proven that that's a completely, this year has proven that that's a completely fraudulent Mm -hmm. air to carry. Like we are all, you know, I don't know a single actor that hasn't like had to be on unemployment at some point this year. Like we are not this bourgeois, a group of people like we're a working class group of people that need to stand with each other. And like, I really hope 
I'll say ultimately to put a bow on it. I just hope that this a connects people um, more so that like actors feel more in solidarity with each other um, mm-hmm. as opposed to ripping each other off of the ladder to try and get ahead, um, which yep. is something that really I've always fucking hated and it really infuriates me. And number two, like that at the that we are able to look as our look at ourselves as valuable and organize as a group and be able to advocate for our own value yeah. as performers because well, there is no shows without actors, baby. No, and and I think that like one of the things that's so wonderful about working with you, Harrison, that I've had the joy of doing a few times is that you, I, I've never seen you rip someone down unless they truly deserved it, and. And especially as like actors getting other parts, I've never seen you rip anyone down. You've always been like so excited when people get stuff. Like if someone's like, Oh my gosh, I got this part. You're like, that's awesome. That's so great. You you have that already. And I think that's what it takes is us like acting on those ambitions. Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw something, um, I guess a few weeks ago that said like, um, you want to be the person in the room that like, I want to know the people I want to be close with the people I want to be in community with the people that are going to mention my name in a room of opportunity. And I just feel mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I think that both of you are people that exude that. And, um, you know, Ricky, that speaks to what you were saying about Harrison, you know, like putting people like creating good company that way that like, we're yeah. looking out for each other. Um, I guess I can kind of speak to it in like a tangible way because I, I, I feel that so strongly. And I like, um, as somebody that like, you know, I work for monumental theater company as the casting director and something new that we're, you know, implementing this coming season and going forward is this group of artistic advisors who essentially one of their roles, like in terms of how I'm going to be working with them is that like, these are people that are located in different places that are connected, you know, in different areas of like discipline in the theater that come from different colleges and different, like, you know, regional places. Um, that are going to inform, you know, who we're, who we're in community with. They're going to be mm-hmm. bringing names. They're going to be like offering Amazing. insights and it's um, exciting that, I don't know. I mean, I think that again, the elitist air a lot of times comes because like in nonprofit theater, you know, the people with money are the people that get to talk and, mm-hmm. and get to put things into action. And so something that we're working on is, is, creating that balance where they're like, yes, the people with money, you know, do get to have a voice in the room, but so do the people that are, that we are paying out. So are the people that we are hiring. They also need to have a, that are the, that are the recipients of that. They need to have a voice for how that dynamic gets to go. Um, and, and what the space looks like as well. Um, because they're the ones that are in it actually, not just behind it. Um, And so I'm super excited about that. And I think it's going to like, I I don't know. I just hope that like, as far as like the individual artists are involved that, Mm -hmm. you know, are connected to, to monumental that they, that they feel supported and that they feel seen as like, like fully an artist that you are being Mm -hmm. considered, you know, because of your talent and because of your person. Yeah. yeah. And, And I think it also like the whole ecosystem of it all, it takes, people like you, Meg and monumental as a whole to like, listen, because you talk about like being someone who will speak in a room of opportunity, but it also takes a room that will listen as well. Cause people have been saying people's names for years that are worthy of an opportunity and they fall on deaf ears or ears that are less than interested. 
Right. And like, kudos to you for listening. And like you, as long as I've known you, Meg, you've always been like such an empathetic listener and person and, and taking in, you will like hear ideas that you may not agree with right away and listen to them and go, okay, so you're saying this and like working on Desiderium with you was a dream because you're like, how can we figure this out? And like the casting of that, where it's like, technically these are two families, but you're like, whatever, like let's cast, let's cast a wider net. Like if the family ties don't feel like they match up, it's not the end of the world. Like let's find the people who are right for it. And I think that's yeah. just like so great. And like as a director, thank you. you're welcome. That's what, nice of you to say. What's well, true. So um, one of the things that I like think about is like when I'm putting together a cast is like, I'm putting together an ecosystem of people that are going to have to work together to make the best product. And like, there are times like I know that my role and Harrison can speak to this in a production is often the punching bag. And I mean that in the best way possible that like, I'm the person that people can kind of shit on in a funny way when they feel tense and I will laugh it off and have a good time about it. And that alleviates the stress in the room. Sometimes not always, but like with some success or if they, they feel like they need to get something off their chest. I will listen to them to them and like know that it's not something I'm going to broadly share. And like Harrison, when you're in the room, you're like the chaotic good. You're like, I'm going to make this crazy choice and we're all going to go with it. Right. And like everyone has their thing in a room. And I, I think that the personage of the performer plays a bigger role than a lot of people think it does. It definitely and, does. I mean, I, I always, I have said this a lot that like the actors outside of delivering the lines and the correct emotionality and hitting your marks, your number one job as an actor is to ensure that you are playing your part to keep the emotional economy of the room running and keep it high. Like if you're in there mm-hmm. being a fucking asshole about yourself, like the entire room, the entire ability for everybody else to do their job suddenly becomes hindered. Like mm-hmm. people's freedom to uh, express themselves. Maybe they fear judgment just a little bit more, you know? So I, I always feel like number one, uh, ma- make sure everybody's having a good fucking time. Yeah. Well, and to go back to what you said earlier about like, you have to know people like most people who are working and there are people who are like, maybe not model citizens, but they're not bad people. There are select people who are known to be very toxic in a room and people know that and they still get cast and the whisper network is there and it's not like it's a surprise when something goes awry. And it's those people that I'm like, I want second chances for everyone. I want to look for the best in everyone, but they're being rewarded for their behavior continuously, which is only reinforcing it. Hearing you talk about this right now, and I guess talking about this in a group of people makes me feel way better because it's like when you see over and over again, toxicity not only be rewarded, but platformed. Mm-hmm. Whether that be um, being on the posters of things, whether that be um, teaching classes where you're educating the next generation with that same fucking toxicity that you carry, like... These Mm -hmm. are the kind of things that like there has to come a point where the buck stops, where enough is enough. And and I know a lot of the times I uh, I've certainly been guilty of this myself of like laughing off the toxic behavior of people as being Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's just fun. And it's like, but this like has a negative impact writ large like this. This Mm -hmm. lets people think that this is acceptable behavior. It lets people think that, you know, I'm I'm all the way now out in space and uh (laughs) To bring it back down, ultimately, like, character does matter, and, like, what you are there for matters, and, like, I don't know. 
And, and I mean, when there are when there is so little opportunity to begin with, um, why are we not considering mm-hmm. the full? Why are we not considering the entire the whole package? You know, it, yeah. yeah. And and I call bullshit so hard on when they say like, oh, they're the only person for this role, or like they're gonna make it. I can think on like one hand the number of times I've seen a show and said, wow, that person no matter how bad they were i don't think anyone else could have done it like that and i don't think a single one of those was a dc-based production and most of those were movies and it's because a-list celebrities can sometimes get an air about themselves mm-hmm. um, and i i don't i was already on a short rope of dealing with that and i feel like now post-pandemic i'm going to be even more like if this person is known to be a jerk I, i'm not going to deal with them i'm going to there is so many I, every day, like, I didn't really know Derek Truby that well before Desiderium. That man is a gem. He rocks. He is such a yeah. being, and he is stupid talented. And there's people I've seen in shows that he could be a similar track for if that is the package they're looking for that have gotten stuff that are generally not as pleasant people. And I'm like, that's one example of, I'm sure, 20 other people that I'm excited to meet soon who could fill that void, who are wonderful and that make choices that will make other people make choices that will make the show 10 times better than you ever dreamed it could have been because you put the right people in the room. And people and who want to be there. That's the other big thing. That's the, the one of the, it. Like if we can stand in solidarity with each other, each other, and we can get rid of people who fucking don't like being there, it would make so many things better. It would make such a healthier mm-hmm. environment. I mean, I swear to God, like, um, I can I can't even count like the amount I it, this, it's a common practice for people like in the theater to become adapted to how nice it is to work and then start to hate it and complain about it and it's like that ca- that takes a toll on the passion of other people and and mm-hmm. I really would love to see if nothing else from this year a gratitude that we get to be in the select group of people who do what we do yeah, because that yeah. Had, yeah. that was really taking a big toll on me in a way that like I don't think I would have realized until unless the brakes had been pulled or I just quit, you know, because it was really making me I, I had a real was having a really hard time with that. And I hope it's done. I don't want to hear any more. Oh, we got to do a show tonight. Shut the fuck up. Do you know how many people I, there, there there should be like literally a what's the thing where you like stop people from saying it uh, like a. Is it a mulligan? No. Well, I don't know. There should be like for a year and a half after the first show comes back that, and this is a joke for anyone listening, it's a you parody. get fired on the spot if you say, "Ugh, I don't want to be here today." Please. For a year and a half, if you complain about being in a show, again, I'm joking, but also the energy is there. Speak with the gratitude and show some gratitude. Yeah, because it all rocks. I mean, we fucking work. I, I say this all the time when people complain. I'm always like. We work for two fucking hours a day. Like, (laughs) what the hell are you complaining about? Like, we show up here. Our clothes have been, like, uh, steamed and pressed and cleaned for us. All we literally have to do is is walk. They're going to press go on the ride, and we ride the ride, and then we get (laughs) off. And it's fun. 
And like, we're having fun here. We're gonna have, we're having fun. Damn it. That's not, I, that's yeah, we're having fucking fun and we will be having fun and we will be standing in solidarity with our fellow actors, 2k 21. Uh-huh. And that is just the way it's going to be. I think yeah. actors are going to have, have shown that more agency this year than they ever have. And part of that comes from, because there's nothing, but I hope that continues. And like, I mean, who knows if a new brain will ever happen, but I'm sure we will get to work together, all of us, hopefully on one project, but in individual projects. And like, it is always good energy to come in and be in a room for crazy for you. And then Harrison shits on you and everyone hears it and doesn't realize that he's joking. And then everyone looks at him awkwardly. Uh, and it's a good time. <laughs> Which I did <laughs> do, do you everybody. And I, in a room on the first day of a rehearsal, <laughs> I was mean as fuck to Ricky as a joke, just being like a sarcastic his, little what, shit. What Harrison said was we were practicing some choral thing. And John Kay said, How, how'd that go or something? And Harrison says, well, if Ricky could stop being flat, not remembering that half the people don't know either of us. And like, that's our dynamic. That was the funniest shit before the unfortunate everyone looked at Harrison. Like that was just funny to me as a human. And I laughed and Harrison wanted to die. I did want to die because I was in a room full of like all these like New York actors with Broadway credits. And here I am like this absolute goober who like this ensemble member shitting on the swing. Yes. This ensemble member shitting on the swing. This ensemble member who cannot (laughs) tap dance, who is here because he sang a nice song and played guitar and was being silly. Like, and now like I'm tap dancing with like Broadway tap dancers. (laughs) I swear to God, dude. True facts only, I did cry in my car every day after rehearsal for that show because I was like, I am so in over my head and I'm going to embarrass myself really badly. And luckily, shout out to our wonderful dance captain who whipped my ass into shape for that show. Mm -hmm. Um, You were were tapping. As somebody that stood next to Harrison and tap... As somebody that stood next to Harrison in the back of the class in tap one... He's come a long. <laughs> he came a long way. That's cool. I was, I was really proud. It, <laughs> it's a mixture of, and this is why the room was so good. It's a mixture of Harrison working his butt off to get those steps, like the steps he could get down to get them down, and then Dennis going, "Ah, yes, this is not the exact sequence for you to be in right now." And Harrison just gracefully bowing out and saying, "I understand. I'm not going to take this personally <laughs> because I'm learning these steps." And that's how I felt too as a swing. I was like, "Please don't put me in for anyone with significant tapping." And I did my best, and I swung like six times in that show. You sure did. And you I did never great. had to. Thank you. I never got to do Ross's track, though. I never got to tap solo. That would have been a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good times. I miss making theater, man. I miss I miss being in shows yeah. with you. I hope a new brain happens because that was so that one really does hurt me every once in a while to remember because it's like <sighs> there it's like fifteen people knew there was like something really good and special cooking and nobody Uh fucking knows and it makes me feel crazy because like when we did the dress run i was or the the design run i was like oh shit we got a fucking show baby oh my god but i don't know about you that was the weirdest design run i've ever had because we basically knew we were closing at least for two weeks if not forever so this weird thing of like why are we here possibly endangering ourselves but also, I want to do this show, so let's do this, and this might be the only chance. It was, it was a weird run for me. The most surreal good, week in history was that week yeah. of just watching shows close around us and being like, I think we're coming, baby. And then like as Ian said on this podcast, when he was like, no, nah, this is not. Yeah. He, he was calling that shit out like a week and a half. He's like, why, why are we here? We should be quarantined. And I was like, you're right. Crazy, dude. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. One day it'll happen. All right. And uh, one day, one day, Meg and I will work on another thing as well. 
Oh, yeah. You know, one day Meg and I will, too, even though Meg and I have never. <laughs> have you never worked together? Ever. Ever. What? Yeah, would you believe it? We've, yeah. We worked together insofar as we sat in freshman, um, like, <laughs> in freshman, like, song interp class and, like, would be like, well, I don't know if I agreed with that choice. I see it more as like mm-hmm. that. that. We worked together in that respect. <laughs> Yeah, and so much as we've always conspired together, we've 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 been constant collaborators. It's gonna be glorious. <laughs> yes. All right. And uh, Ricky. Yeah. If you could implant a piece of advice into the Ooh. universe for yourself every day to hear, what would it be and why? All right. Um, so I, as I said earlier, I've thought about this a lot. Um, and I'm going to give you a two-parter. I'm going to give you my personal life motto, which I feel like is like the decision I made before I knew this question Okay, is the answer to this. And I'm going to tell you what, after thinking a lot about it, what it would be. So my life motto, um, is every pizza is a personal pizza. If you try hard enough and believe in yourself and I, while I love pizza and that's part of the reason it's that it's like, if you think about it, if you break down this analogy, it keeps getting better because different pizzas are different sizes. And sometimes you got to eat a pizza in three sizes. And sometimes it's cold by the time you get to it. Sometimes you eat too much pizza and you throw up, but you learn not to eat that much pizza. Maybe you order a smaller pizza next time and build your stomach muscles into that bigger pizza. So the more you break it down, slice it up, if you will, the better it gets. Um, so that's, that's like my life motto answer to that question. Uh, the, uh, my, my answer after thinking about it is something that comes from the, the great Ron Guignard, who is an admission specialist at the school I teach at. Uh, and I, I asked him one day, I said, Hey, what's, what's like a motto you live by? Cause he's, he's just a really wise, wonderful human being. Um, and he said, something my father told me that I think about every day and that is have a good day on purpose. And I, I love that because I'm, I'm generally an optimistic person and I, and I want people to have good days. But what I love about adding the on purpose is it, it gives you this like sense of agency that you can make it a good day. That like, even if things go wrong, you, your response to that is something that you have control over. Like if I fall and slip and throw my lunch everywhere and I don't have that lunch anymore, I could let that ruin the next 30 minutes of my lunch break, or I could just go spend a few more dollars, buy another lunch and continue on with my day and not let that ruin it. Um, and like that. Yeah, all I really love of, that. Yeah. I really you. love that. I'm going to be, I'm going to be thinking on that. Me I'm going to be thinking on that for sure. Yeah. The more, the more it's just like, and it's simple, but like super effective, you know, less, mm-hmm. why make less words, more words when less word better. I agree. I agree. Ricky, man, thanks for freaking chatting with us today, dude. It's a true joy. I love both of you dearly. I love you, man. We love you. I miss you. I miss making stuff with you. We've done so many fucking shows together. You like, I've maybe done more shows with you than anybody in this entire town. I think, I think you're the one who have done the most shows with, I'm trying to think of anyone that I would have done more with. And I really can't think of someone. Yeah. I think you, I think you do. dethroned Hassani, I'm pretty sure. Oh. For people that I've done the most shows with. I mean, we've done like six shows together now, man. It's insane. It's insane. And I can't wait for number seven. It's going to be a blast. It's always a joy. And Meg, I can't wait to be directed by you because you're a genius. So, And where can people find you online, Ricky, and support you? 
Uh, they can find me. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Ricky D Drummond. It is a private account, so if you don't know me, I probably will not accept denied. You. Um, um, and outside of that, I I try to live not online. Good. So I off uh, the grid. Off the grid. If you're a friend of mine and you miss me, I miss you too, probably. So send me a text. Let's catch up. That goes for both of you. Wonderful, man. Absolutely, dude. What a fucking. It was good to see you, man. It was good to see you. I dare say it was great to see you both. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Love you, brother. It's good to see you. Okay, we gotta, we gotta know, Harrison. We gotta know. What cheese is in the twice-baked potato at the Smith household? Classic, classic a cheddar-based kind of cheese. Okay. No yeah, Gouda. No Gouda. No Gouda to be had. All right. Fair enough. I don't know what kind of cheese is used in my house, but I can confirm since Christmas has come and gone uh, from the recording of the interview to the recording of this, we did not have twice-baked potatoes. We did not even have any form of potato this year, I don't think. So that was a little bit of a bummer, but, you know, it is what it Correct. is. <laughs> that is a bummer. No potato? I don't. I don't think so. Oh, no, no. We had a baked potato. I take it back. We had baked potato and roast beef. It was good. That is good. Did you have a good holiday? I had a great holiday. How about you? Yeah, it was really, really good. Nice. Yeah. Simple. You know what? And I, yes, I liked that. My family this year did Secret Santa for the first time, um, which was kind of fun. You know, instead of like having to shop for everyone, you like, you know, get a budget and spend it all on that one person. And that was hey, kind of a fun idea. Yeah, uh, so it it went it went over well, I think, and Who did maybe you we'll have? do it again. But I had my dad, um, and he, you know, put some like pretty predictable things on there. Like he put um, a grill cover and like some kitchen Classic utensils and whatever. Stuff. Classic dad stuff. I was like, no, because he also had some fun stuff on there that I thought like if somebody didn't get it for him, he might not get for himself, which was. Uh, he asked for a massage, so I got him a gift card to do that. Um, nice. And he also asked for a drone, and so I got him a drone. Dude, my dad got a uh, fucking drone, too. Truly so funny. <laughs> Truly so yes. fucking funny. He opened the, like, suitcase it came in, and I, like, forgot. I guess my mom told me earlier in the summer, like, when she bought the drone, like, that was the thing that was happening, and he opened it, and I truly mm-hmm. lost my mind. Like, dads, it was a big <laughs> year for dads and drones, I got, like, retweeted Huge. by an account that, like, was tracking all of the dads that got drones. Because <laughs> I, like, tweeted <laughs> out that my dad got a drone. And um, that's so fucking funny. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's uh, has your dad, like, enjoyed it so far? My dad was playing with it day, on day of Christmas. He oh. was playing with it later that night. Well, my dad got a bunch of toys this year. My dad got like AirPods. He got a drone and he oh. got, a, my sister got him a ring for our front door, a ring doorbell. Mm. And mm-hmm. it was so My dad's f- obsessed with our ring. Oh, he you know who actually is obsessed it. with ours? My sister. Mm. My sister is like oh. telling us like, I know everything you all say in front of the house. <laughs> We now live in an authoritarian state run by my sister. So one, we do have a female dictator. One time I was walking up to my house, did not know my parents had the ring installed. And I start hearing like my name, just like Megan, Megan. Like as I'm walking in the driveway, I was like, 
what is going on? This is very strange. And then, you know, it, I guess there's a speaker on it. You can speak to the people. There sure is. And yeah, I, but I just, I don't like that. That I don't really like that. <laughs> I'm good with like the, just a doorbell. Just the doorbell is fine I'm with fine me. I'm fine with just the doorbell. The, the doorbell is good enough. The doorbell is, you know, why would we shit upon the humble doorbell? And I don't even need one with the different chimes. Just give me the classic ding dong. I don't need all of the like, we used to have one that would do like church bells. Can I, it's, that's so aggravating. Enough. Just keep it simple. <laughs> it's like people with clocks that like fully, you know, uh, 16 birds pop out and yes. sing in harmony or whatever. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know what I was just thinking about? Uh, I, or maybe I was talking about it on Christmas. The like ring back tones or just like anybody's in my household when they had like um i don't know when you could like assign a song uh-huh. to different contacts or whatever my sister has i mean it, i can't stand broken on her phone she like can't, doesn't know how to cancel the program so it plays the <laughs> standard like yes. Yeah, I know the ring yes. tone song for Verizon oh my Wireless gosh. customers. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I, it, it haunts me. Me too. Big and time. my dad used to have uh, that song, uh, Red Red Wine. Like, it was his, it was <laughs> his ringtone for... S- That's such a dad ringtone. I freaking I love you, know. B40, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Stay close to me. I hate that song. I fucking hate that song now. I can never listen to it again. I've heard those 32 bars more times than I can count. It reminds me of my friend's parents who used to, uh, who secretly for like 20 years, like secretly were cigarette smokers in their garage. And they always used to listen to that song. So it always reminds me of them. (laughs) Super funny. Um, yeah, that is funny. Um, Something I wanted to to briefly address. We talk about the like unspoken slash maybe it is spoken of Maryland Virginia rivalry, and I never. Heard I have of to say, well, I mean, we just kind of talk about like, you know, Maryland versus Virginia. Maybe there's like some unspoken like tension there. And I have to say, as a lifelong Marylander, when I moved to Virginia a few years ago, I did. I did like feel like I betrayed something within myself and to <laughs> my fellow Marylanders. I don't know. Why would I live in Virginia when I can live in Maryland right there? You know, but I, I agree. I, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it here. And you know, you're, you know, you're just a, a trader and a rotten one at that. And we're just gonna, you know, <laughs> is that why you, is that why you went back? Is that why you, you didn't stay in Virginia? Was it the traitorness of it? I couldn't live in a commonwealth. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> States only. Oh, um, <laughs> um, okay, something something else we can talk about, uh, which is kind of apt, you know, it being our like last episode of the year, happy new year, blah, blah. We talk a lot about goal setting and adjusting and stuff in this episode. Uh, and so I guess I'm wondering about your... Did you have any resolutions this year? Did they, how did they go? What did it, well, they went anything terribly. that you're. The ones that I had <laughs> for this year, well, they went, they went terribly. 
Let okay. me tell you, I started this year like vibing. Like I was like getting up at 5 a.m. and working out and like working a good amount and like cooking a lot, which is something that like I like get so fucking lazy on really fast. Same. And I got to be honest, when we got to like April, the the wheels kind of fell off. And I truly in the last week really of like being on holiday where it's now like the assigned time for there not to be disciplined. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, this is the yes. time in the year where like you always are like letting loose. I'm like, damn, I have been a gluttonous little fuck this entire year. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be working on that. Sure. In the yeah. New year. Yeah. Just like okay. making, being disciplined and not being like, you know, I like had a plan to read a bunch of books this year. I literally embarrassed myself talking to my mom because I was like, yeah, you know, I think I read like a book this year. Okay. So, so let me, let me give you a little framing device that as I've reflected on my year has helped put me at ease because I'm having some of those feelings too. Like, yeah, I was, I, I came in hot this year. I was really feeling like this was going to be it. Like lots of big things coming down the pipeline. Like, Wow, wow, wow. And, you know, obviously rug ripped out from underneath everybody and right. you just are coping, right? And so I saw something the other day that was like when you're thinking about like your accomplishments and you should just tack on like in the midst of a global pandemic to whatever you're saying, like I finished one book this year in the midst of a global pandemic. That's great. True. Like it, it just puts it, it just, it's just that little like, that little like moment of grace for yourself. Um, it's that yeah. asterisk. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I've been leaning heavy on that as I reflect on my year, but I'm not going to beat yeah, myself too know. much up for this year. It kind yeah, of like, not at all. It's like fucked up to say, but like, it's kind of a lost year for everyone. Like, you know, nobody could really do anything. And like, there's huge, I don't know. There's huge things. I'm super grateful for obviously the show and like, getting to spend time and get to get to know Kate better and blah, 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 you know, all the good things that came about. But, uh, I certainly am looking forward to, I like the new year. I like the reset of the year. You do. I fucking absolutely do. There's something about it. It's something about the ramp up of the holidays into it that I'm like, it does feel like a genuine fresh start because I don't know. I always feel like the last two weeks of December, everybody's mood shifts for better or for worse, mm -hmm. like I just uh, you there's a certain energy that's around and I just feel like um, it's about how you like harness that and move that forward. And I don't know. I'm excited. I actually am looking forward to the new year. I know the like calendar year like won't change anything really. Like it's not like we're going to hit the stroke of midnight on January 1st and then the pandemic's going to be gone. But like I do think it's going to be a really good year. And like I think there's a lot of things coming and cooking just across the board that are going to be good. Yeah. That's good. I love that. Hey, like, <clears throat> I don't know. I think there's no other way to like enter into a new year. Why would you enter? You know, why would you go into it? Like right. with any other type of energy than just like, you know what, this is going to be good. It's an opportunity to like, yeah, just start afresh. I, um, I'm not a big like new year's person. I don't know. I, I, as we kind of talked about, I have a hard time with goal setting, right. But um, something that's been helpful for me this year is to just take it like month by month in terms of goals and 
um, you know, I've like, I've been logging my content all month, every, uh, all year, Unreal. every month, all year. Now that was <clears throat> and, something, an insane standard I set up at the beginning of the year and you actually did it. And yeah, I'm hoping next maybe time the, you'll be able to give us a final count on like how much of each thing you've, cause I am going to do it wow. this year. I'm going to do it on Letterboxd. I'm going to do my movies next year on Letterboxd. And I am trying to be a movies and a book guy in the new year. I was a little too okay. much of a music and podcasts kind of guy this last year. I'm really trying to be a movie and books kind of guy in this. new. Okay. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to like looking back on all of the stuff and seeing, you know, what, uh, what stands out, what there was a lot of, you know, my Spotify wrapped did some of that, but um, yeah, it's just been, it's been fun to like notice patterns over the months and I'm hoping to do that again in the new year, but that it's, but that's just something that like, it doesn't feel like I, I didn't get intimidated by have the thought of having to do it all year because it just felt like something I was doing for a month each time. And right. I don't know for whatever reason that feels more like attainable to me to set goals that way. So, but something that I do usually do is pick like a word or something for the, for the new year. Um, or like something to just kind of like, I don't know, to, to meditate on, to like harness like i don't know to when i'm feeling lost to like ground me so i think the word for next year is going to be truth i just feel like that's like like being true to myself like um like seeking you know putting truth out into the universe seeking truth yeah i think that's the yeah i don't know i think that's the word so we'll see (laughs) stay tuned stay tuned we'll be here we'll be here still in your ears Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Um, and in the meantime, you can follow us uh, on the internet at Good to See You Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at Meg Bunn. And you can follow me at double H, double A, double R, double I, double S, double O, double N on Twitter and Instagram uh, and on Letterboxd if you want to follow me on there while I log my movies this year. Um, what else? Oh, you can listen to my other show. It's called Super Mind Exploder. There's no new episode this week, but there'll be a 2020 recap episode coming out next week. Uh, we're going to take a look at what happened this year. That's available everywhere you get your podcasts. Follow at MindSugar666 on Twitch and on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, freaking Sayonara 2020. <laughs> Have a happy, happy new year, everybody. Bye. Let's go, Meg. It was good to see you. Oh, my gosh. It was good to see you, too. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody.